This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 161, Bank on Yourself and Real Estate Investing. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average financial podcast helping you think different about your money your economy and your future hey everybody welcome back to not your average financial podcast i'm your host mark willis glad to have you along for the ride now we've already covered a lot of ground in our last two episodes and i encourage you if you haven't already go back and listen to 159 and 160 and recently i had the privilege of speaking with the very popular real estate investor and radio host roger blankenship who runs flipping america the radio show the podcast and the real estate investing community and i wanted to share this little discussion i had with his group with all of you so i hope you enjoy it as much as i did let's listen in Okay, you have the power, like He-Man. You have the deal funding power. It is possible to cut out banks, finance companies, mortgage companies, heck, even credit cards, student loan companies, the rest of them, and become your own source of financing. This, to me, was the biggest wake-up call of my adult life, specifically on the financial level. Man, uh, and when we're talking about real estate, whether you're in wholesaling, whether you're a flipper, a rehabber, whether you're into hard money lending, whether you're a syndicator, whether you're just dabbling in real estate, you have got the power to become your own source of financing. That to me matters more than almost anything else we can take care of or work on in our real estate business. So that's what we're gonna be covering together today. What I hope to give you guys in our short time together today are three strategies and tactics for becoming your own banker. Mark Twain said this quote, a banker is a fellow who will lend you his umbrella when the sun is shining, but wants it back as soon as it starts to rain. And ain't that the truth? If you've attended any specific strategies like this in the past, you'll understand that real estate oftentimes involves a banker. And in fact, one in five participants in a employee benefit research institute study said that they had loans against their 401k, one in five. And more than 34% of people in their 50s had money loaned against their 401k in 2015. And more than 60% of Americans have less than 25,000 bucks set aside for retirement. Guys, more than 60% have less than $25,000 set aside. And I read recently as, as of 2019, more than half of Americans have less than 400 bucks in their pocket for an emergency, $400. So. I believe the three kind of key components to this tornado of problems I see across the landscape was around before the coronavirus hit our shores. Now, there's a lot of things that have changed this year, but I'd say a lot of this was a problem before the coronavirus. The three mixed components of our financial lives, the hurricane that's hit us are the, the three factors of massive debt resulting in massive speculation to keep up with our massive lifestyles. If you look at 1940, according to the U.S. Department of Commerce, 1940, we spent about 11% of our income on debt. But as of 2020, it was 
36% of our money goes to service our debts. Now that's interesting because we're in such a low interest rate environment. Think about it. We're in rock bottom interest rates and yet we're spending 36% of our income. How is that possible? It's the volume of our debt, the volume, not the rate. It's the volume that will kill us, not the rate of interest. Just like the vaccine, we're all hoping and praying for a vaccine to come along. It's not going to be the rate by which that injection enters my body if it's going to cure me or kill me. It's the volume that'll cure me or kill me. They need the right volume of that vaccine. The same is true with our interest rates on our debts. So we're only saving 5.4% of our income. So if you make 100 bucks, saving $5 out of that 100, is that really going to solve our problems for college, emergencies, retirement, investments, and more. So what happened? When I meet with clients, and it could be over the phone, it could be over a Zoom call, but a conversation I hear pretty regularly is something like this. Mark, I can't save as much. I got kids in college. I got a $50,000 car loan. I've got an $800,000 mortgage. I can't save very much. So what I can save, I need to put in, in higher and more risky investments and hope and pray that my rate of return is going to be higher. People think, hey, I'm too sophisticated for that boring saving stuff. So I'm going to put my money in day trading or more risky assets. And this was a mind-blowing fact when I figured this out. But Roger, the 401k is not even old enough to retire yet. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> Not, and the IRA is younger than that. And the Roth IRA couldn't even graduate college yet. That's how young these things are. So the 401k is only 40 years old as of this year. And the guy who stumbled across it in the tax code has recently called the 401k a monster that should be destroyed. Now, what's that saying about the grand experiment we're all going through right now as a nation? Everybody gets that 401k. I used to think it's what God created on the sixth day of creation, but not quite. So how do we fix this? How do we get to a point where we can live sanely again? Many people are going to say, hey, it's uh, just keep calm and invest in real estate. But is that really going to solve our problem? And even though I'm a certified financial planner, I do believe in the power of real estate. Guys, what other asset goes clear back to the pyramids, Right. Real estate is a massive, important part of the financial portfolio for the average guy or gal, and we shouldn't expect anything different. But we also have to realize that there's some major hurdles in the real estate investing arena. On the averages across the country, according to Robert Schiller, we're only talking about 1% above inflation on, in terms of growth. It's also costly. It's not free to get into real estate investing. And you might have, especially this year, non-paying tenants as we move into the fall and the winter. And finally, it's even though it feels like a real asset, like I can put my hand on that brick wall over there and it's a real piece of tangible asset, it's truly only paper wealth until I sell. Nobody can claim a value on my house until someone hands me that check for the value of my house. Not even Zillow is willing to write me that check until I'm ready to sell it. So also, I'd be very curious if, if we really pushed the thought here, you need a bank to access the cash in your home. If you've got half your house paid off, first of all, great job, way to go, that's great. But you need a generous bank to lend you more 
out of your house if you need cash in an emergency. So a cash out refinance or a HELOC, it's going to take a generous banker sitting behind his or her desk to hand you that money. And is the real estate growth guaranteed? Is it predictable? Well, 2008 and maybe this year might say otherwise. I'm not a fear monger. I don't know what the future holds. The truth, guys, is real estate will not ultimately insulate us from financial crises as much as we hope it will. And it certainly is a bulwark against crisis. It won't insulate us from it. Truly, think about it. When are we most likely going to need access to capital? That's right, during a crisis. When are banks, back to Mark Twain's quote, when are banks least likely to give us cash? During a crisis. When is it going to be the hardest time to sell your house or your real estate deal at a fair price? Same answer, during a crisis. So if we're still thinking about our real estate as an asset instead of a liability, think carefully about some of these points. Mortgage payments earn us no interest. The equity is not liquid. The equity is not guaranteed, see 2008, and there's absolutely no tax benefit to paying down our mortgages anymore. So with all that kind of sour news, I promise there's some great strategies with real estate and I have it in my portfolio, but we need to go into this clear eyed. The first thing I like to always think about with clients when I sit down to chat with them is this key and important question. And forget about financial labels. I don't care if it's an IRA or a hedge fund or a savings account or a shoebox. Ask yourself the question, what do I want my money to do for me? What do I want my money to do for me? That question will lead you down the best path you could possibly go down with relation to your money. You don't need a money guru to tell you what you need your money to do for you. Only you have the freedom and the right to be able to answer that question for yourself. Now, I will tell you, where your money lives makes it do different things. That's such an obvious sentence, but I feel like I needed someone to tell me that when I first got started. And so like a fish out of water, if you put your money in the wrong spot, you're dead. But if you put that fish in a nice, beautiful, temperature-controlled aquarium with food every day, man, it's going to thrive. It's going to reproduce. You're going to have little baby fishies floating around. And you want your money to multiply just like that. But most financial environments keep your money out of your control. Wall Street, 401ks and IRAs, banks, credit cards, finance companies, real estate inventory, even a shoebox. Most of these environments, these are all environments where your money might live, take money away from you. So here's the key question. If you could design the perfect financial vehicle for real estate investing, ultimately really for your own financial peace and retirement, what kind of attributes, what kind of characteristics would you want to have? If you could just wave that magic wand, what kind of characteristics would you want it to have? It's high growth, minimal loss. Roger, as I'm uh, asking these guys, would you add anything here? What would you want your money to do for you if you had the perfect moment to create that new vehicle? Oh, the older I get, the more I'm concerned about risk. Um, mm -hmm. I can't afford to lose it all again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, was it uh, Will Rogers who said, uh, I'd rather a return of my money than a return on my money? Yeah. So here's a few things that I wrote down. Uh, and this was me after digging through about 450 financial vehicles as I was getting my CFP training, which takes you a couple of years, or at least a slow thinker like me, it took me about three years to get through that training. I wanted access to the cash. I'm a business owner. 
I'm a real estate investor too. So easy access to my cash. I wanted safety. I wanted predictable growth. I wanted to lock in what I earned last year. I wanted some sort of predictable stair step that went up. I wanted tax deferred accumulation. I was having serious problems with savings accounts and CDs for the pennies that they pay you in interest. They go ahead and tax you on that money every year. What's the point? Why tax me on that money if I'm not even touching it? I didn't want a bunch of government involvement in what I could put into the thing. IRA, what do they let you put in there these days? Six grand a year, something like that. So that's good, but that's going to limit you. Unless you have uh, other sneaky ways, backdoor ways to get money into those IRAs. I don't want other people deciding what I can do with my cash. I also wanted it to be privately held. So if someone sued me because they slipped on a banana peel in front of my rental property, I didn't want to get sued and have this uh, asset taken away from me. Those were all very important to me. So guys, what if you could grow your money at a faster and more efficient rate every single year? Not up and down sideways, but up and to the right. The way we like to show it as uh, financial planners is that beautiful J curve, up and to the right, uninterrupted compound growth. Yeah, what if you could keep your money available for your real estate business? What if you had a plan for not just this year's real estate needs, but next year and the next year? Think about this for a minute, guys. We've had three major market corrections and crashes just since the year 2000. Anybody remember pets.com? Anybody remember Enron? What about Lehman Brothers? What about everything that's going on this year? Is this really, do we really think this is the last financial crisis we're ever going to go through? Probably not. Seems like they come a dime a dozen these days. What if you could own and control the outcome of your cash before you even got started? If you knew I'm going to have X dollars when I'm 62, what would that do or 72 or whatever your age is um, in the future? What would that do for your sanity? What could you not have to worry about anymore? I'm teasing the strategy here, but I like to start with the concept before we get into the bag of, of clubs. Let me ask the question, guys, if you had the choice between Jordan Spieth or Tiger Woods golf clubs or their golf swing, which would be more important to you? The golf clubs or the golf swing? Brenda says, yeah, the swing. Gotta have the swing. I could grab a stick in my backyard if I've got Tiger Woods swing and hit that thing down the middle of the fairway. But if I've got his clubs and I'm, I golf like I actually do, I'm going to be terrible. Roger, I, I usually tell folks, if I could just switch my bowling score and my golf score, I'd be great at both sports. <laughs> what I say is I don't understand why I have to pay a green fee. It seems like I'm never hitting off of anything green. <laughs> yeah. The woods are all brown. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, perfect way to ruin a walk in the woods. That's, uh, that's an old <laughs> Scottish quote. So what can do all of this, guys? When I was looking into all the options and strategies, the only thing I could come up with in my research of all things in the financial universe was a dividend-paying whole life insurance policy. Everything I just listed, guaranteed principal, guaranteed growth, tax-free access to the money, a legacy, creditor-protected, private, all of those characteristics are embedded in something that's been around for 200 years, high cash value, dividend paying whole life insurance. Now this is going to sound crazy because I was a Dave Ramsey fanboy for many years, had the envelopes in my wallet and everything, but this is not the kind of whole life insurance they talk about on the radio or Susie likes to talk about on her TV shows. 
These are supercharged with options and additions onto the policy that augment and make more efficient the equity in your cash. Not just a death benefit, but a living benefit that you can really use as an asset right from the start. And typically we cut the commissions on these type of policies by about 50 to 70%. So take a look at this newer version of whole life. This is not your father's whole life insurance. This is a 160 year old financial vehicle that grows guaranteed every single year. I'll say that again, guaranteed every single year. Now that's a hard statement to say in the financial universe to say yes, the word guarantee, but it's not 30% rate of return guaranteed. It is pretty decent though. It sure beats my CDs and my money market accounts and my savings bonds these days. We're talking middle single digits in that range, three, 6%. It's also accessible cash. This is meant to be a parking space for your money in between the deals that Roger and all the awesome folks on this call will introduce you to. It's not meant to be either or. It's not meant to be in exclusion of your real estate investing. It's meant to be the, the garage or the parking space where you keep your money in between your deals. That's the whole point, especially in the real estate space. So obviously when I put money into a savings account, let's say I have a, a thousand bucks and I put it into my savings account. That's all I got to my name. And I croak this afternoon. I pass away and I leave my family. What do I leave them? A thousand bucks. If I put a thousand bucks in a life insurance policy today, pass away tonight, God forbid, my family's getting way more than a thousand bucks. So I've instantly created a legacy there. But maybe most relevant to our talk today is becoming your own source of financing. There's really no other space, environment, back to that idea of the fish and water, there's no other environment where we can take back control of the banking function in our lives. Roger, on our podcast the other day, I think we were talking about the book Debt, The First 5,000 Years by David Graeber. David Graeber wrote this huge book. I don't you know, really agree with everything he concluded, but his history of banking was awesome. Goes back to caveman days, basically. And he reminded me that banking has just been a part of human civilization about as long as we've been doing farming, essentially. That's as old as it gets. This concept of debt and banking is going to be around even after coronavirus is long gone, uh, a footnote in history. Banking continues. You know, I used to live in a small town in Texas, and there were always three little buildings on, along these little highways in Texas. There was, can you guys name them? The, the bank, the church, and the bar. And they were usually in that order. First, you go to the bank because you desperately need some cash. The bank denies you the loan, so you go to the church to pray, and then you head to the bar to drink your sorrows away. That was the order <laughs> I imagine most of these conversations with the banks would go. So we're looking at a way to modernize an asset, an old-fashioned whole life policy, boring as it gets, for your real estate investment needs. It's issued by a mutual life insurance company where you, in essence, are an owner of this company. The gains are locked in, they're predictable, and you have a, a plan for what it's going to do every single year. You know, I didn't know when I bought my first couple of policies, 2020 was going to do what it did. But I knew what my guaranteed cash value was going to be in 2020, in 2021, 2022. Doesn't matter who the president is, doesn't matter what the uh, Congress does, doesn't matter what my 
portfolio in the real estate space or investment space does, these policies are just going to move right along and keep on keeping on. It's pretty re remarkable. One of the keys that I want to point out is this, this second to last one here. It says borrow from the policy and it will continue to grow as if you never touched a dime of the money. Now that sentence sounds so unbelievable that I have to say it again. Borrow from the policy. It will continue to grow even on the capital you borrow. If you've got $100,000 of cash, and let's say you borrow out 30,000 bucks, it'll still pay you the guaranteed growth and dividends on the full 100,000 bucks, as if there's no loan. Now that's pretty remarkable, but let's keep rolling. You are in control of this cash. It's just important to realize there's no government early withdrawal penalty. There's no required minimum distributions. There's no prohibited transactions. What do we not like? For all the good that self-directed IRAs offer us, what do we not like? I can't send my daughter to college with my self-directed IRA. I can't fix up my kitchen with my self-directed IRA. Can't pay off my credit cards usually with the self-directed IRA. With the life insurance, no limit. You got no prohibited transactions. It's your cash, no red tape. And I like that. Even if you're 82 years old, or if you've had a couple extra birthday birthdays under your belt, or if you've got a couple health issues, you can still own policies, even if you're not the one that's insured. So I've got a guy who just went through heart surgery a few years ago, and he loved his bank on yourself idea, but he was uninsurable. So he's grandpa in the family. He buys a policy on his wife, his adult children, and all the grandkids too. He's got over a dozen policies in his portfolio, even though he's himself uninsured. Uh, I want to tell another very quick story. This is a gentleman named Dan Proskauer. He was willing to share his actual net worth statement with us. And he's an engineer type. So he tracked his net worth way back in 2000 and followed the rise and the fall of the tech bubble. He also tracked it right through the recovery period and then up through the crash of 2008 and nine. But then in June of 2009, he opened up his very first bank on yourself type whole life policy. And this has been his net worth ever since, literally tripling his net worth in the last 10 years. And those are real wealth numbers. This is not paper up and down money. This is his real wealth. And he's been able to borrow against his life insurance multiple times to invest in real estate, which is his whole intention. It's not meant to just sit soaking sour in your policy. Just like my car is not meant to live in my garage. I need to get my car out of my garage and out there to do business deals and to take my family on vacation. The same is true with my money. Put that money to work and let it continue to grow. Now, I'm always very interested to share both sides of the coin here. It's not a good fit. Don't just run out and get one of these just because you heard it. Even on a great show, even on a great live call like this from Roger, it's not perfect for every situation. Uh, you have to be able to save, for example. So don't do this if you can't rub two pennies together. Also, don't go into this thinking it's a big, juicy investment. I would say, really, this is going to bore you to tears with its simple, predictable returns. And it's not meant to be thought of as replacing your other investments. It's just that cash part of your portfolio, which is to me the best part. What's the emergency fund, but it's also my opportunity fund. How big of an opportunity fund do you want to have? So we've got four simple steps I'm going to walk you guys through with a few quick strategies. And then we're going to open it up to any questions you guys might have. All right. So very simple. 
You can build up a ton of equity in one of these policies. We design it for maximum cash value accumulation. Use the equity in that policy, not the death benefit, but the living benefit, the cash value, and you use that equity to buy your real estate. All right, so that's step one. Step two, the policy continues to grow like you never borrowed it. Step three, you are your own source of financing, so you are in control of how you repay that loan to yourself, to the policy that you own. If you wanna skip a payment or six payments or 80 payments, you can do that. If you wanna wait until you pass away before the loan is paid off, it'll just be deducted from your death benefit. So that's step three, you control the environment where your money lives, you're gonna control the banking function in your life with step three. Finally, step four, when you're ready to flip that property, when you're ready to throw that money back into the next deal, simply recycle the money, pay off the loan and do it all over again. So step one, two, three, and four. Very simple, firing your banker in four easy steps. Greg and Christy Gammon, they do this when they flip properties with cash, they borrow from their policies. They get the money out in about four or five business days. Greg said, we're not beholden to an institution to give us the financial backing. If banks stop lending again, Who's going to be the guys and gals out there who still have big buckets of cash to go and flip properties? Oh yeah, it'll be your life insurance policies. It'll be that source of capital that'll give you that competitive edge if and when, I'm not a predictor, I'm not a soothsayer, but when banks take away our umbrella, to use Mark Twain's quote. Nelson Nash says, when you control the financial environment where your money lives, you win. When banks control the financial environment, they're going to win every single time. So if you're not sure you can do it, here's a couple of simple ways you can get started. You don't have to buy these giant multifamily deals with your policy. If you just have a little bit of cash to dump into one of these things, you could probably start this year, this month, in paying your property taxes. Why not? I paid my income taxes with my policy this last year. I do it with all my other uh, major expenses, homeowner's insurance maybe, when the roof or the elevator needs to be repaired all of a sudden, or the repair and maintenance deal, or even the down payment. Easy way to overcome opportunity cost. But I wanna go through this spreadsheet and some numbers to show you guys what I'm talking about. Because this floored me when we ran through some of these figures, it changed everything about how I make my major purchases. So guys, you could be a cash buyer for your deals if you chose. It would increase the yield without any additional market risk. I'll show you what I mean. And become your own permanent line of credit to yourself. So here's a guy who's 45. He's cramming in 32,000 bucks a year into one of these policies. And his dividend payments in year 11 through 15 are 9,000, 10,000. I just keep those kind of in the back of your mind for a minute. And I also want to point out that his cash surrender value, the money he could walk away with in year 15, is a little over half a million dollars. So that's pretty awesome. That sure beats my savings account, let me tell you. Remember, he's only put in 32 grand a year for 10 years. And by year 15, he's got half a million bucks saved up and getting 11 grand a year in dividends. So keep those numbers in mind. Next, let's borrow from the policy in year 11. I just chose this year at random, could have been the 30 days after he started his policy borrowing this cash. But in year 11, he decides he's gonna be a cash buyer and he throws down 350,000 bucks. He, he calls up or he requests the loan from the insurance company and $350,000 gets dropped into his account with no questions asked, 
no loan underwriter asking for his credit score, none of that. It's just in his account within a week. He sends that to invest in some real estate and then check those dividends out. He's still getting the same growth and dividends like he'd never borrowed that cash. Incredible. But he knows not to steal from his own bank. He's figured out that he's going to be better off if he doesn't steal from his own bank. So he pays himself off over the next five years. His cash value after his loan is paid off is fully restored as if he had never touched a dime of the money. And he's got his paid off house over there that he paid cash for back in year 11. And he's got the rent check coming from the guy, guy or gal who's living in his house. By the way, a $1.2 million death benefit, just hanging out there for his family. Is there any better way to make your major purchases? Tell me, please, because I would do that instead. Because <laughs> that's pretty awesome. So let's lay this next to paying cash for that same house. So let's say the house that he bought was 350 grand. And over five years, let's say it grew at 3%. So that means he would have grown his, his value of his home by 350 up to 405 grand. That's a 3% rate of return. Not too shabby, 55 grand. We're not counting rent. We're not counting anything else. Just looking at the value of what Zillow says the house is worth. So that's 3% a year from 350 to 405. That's $55,000 of gains. Not too shabby. We'll take it. But what if we use our life insurance, bank on yourself type whole life insurance policy instead? The house is still going to grow. Same as always, doesn't matter how we buy the house. The neighborhood says it's still worth 405 after five years. Now, loans on policies do accumulate some interest. It turned out this guy's loan interest APR was 2.1%. Doing the math on that, he spent about 38,000 bucks of loan interest to pay off this loan. Now, Dave Ramsey is screaming, why would you pay interest on your own money? But hold on. The policy continued to pay us dividends and growth. He wasn't putting any more money into this policy. On its own, the policy did 119,000 bucks, almost 120 grand on its own. So guys, he gave the insurance company $38,000 of loan interest and he got 120 grand of growth. Roger, if you gave me 38,000 bucks, and I gave you back $120,000. Is that a good deal? How do I make the checkout, sir? <laughs> that's, a, that's what we call a good deal. That's what we call arbitrage. In fact, we did the math and that's a 10%, not 3%, but a 10% ROI on the same property just on how we bought the deal. As they say, the, the profit is in the buying. I can't find a better way to make my purchases, major deals. That's a total growth of 175 grand. Which of those two numbers, guys, would you rather have if the money was the same? So you could do that. You could make a cash purchase. What about equity harvesting? So this is strategy number two. Every couple of years, a lot of our clients will just cash out refinance, dump that equity that had built up in their rental properties, all the rentals that they'd built all this equity up. It's just sitting in the drywall of their rentals. Dumping that into their policy makes it liquid and guaranteed and gives them some tax advantages on their mortgage interest again. So home values were up. What better time to do this than now? Mortgage interest rates are low. What better time to harvest that equity? I'm going to do one more strategy, then we'll wrap, it, wrap things up. A lot of guys and gals that I work with, a lot of clients, we'll sit down, we'll do Zoom calls, we'll run the numbers, and we'll do a single cash 
dump in into one of these policies. So here's an example of a real person. They use the cash value of their policy to buy a real estate property. The renter then pays them rent and they use that rent money to pay off the loan on their policy. And then they just recycle that to buy the next deal, to buy the next deal without any market risk. So here's someone who I'm gonna keep their name and information off of this, but they had $150,000 to put into a life insurance policy. And then immediately they borrowed out 120,000 bucks within 30 days. Okay, by the way, how many years of premium did this person have to fund this policy for? Just one, one payment and the policy grows for the rest of her life. But the story doesn't end with the policy. 30 days after the policy opened, she borrowed out 120 grand and she threw that into a real estate deal. She bought a, a real estate deal for 120,000 bucks and that rent on that real estate deal was paying 1100 bucks a month. That's 13 grand a year. Let's assume that the investment never appreciates. Let's assume her real estate property never grows. So it stays at 120,000 for 10 years. Is that conservative? Yeah, I, I guess so. But what she did was she took that 1100 bucks a month and used that to repay her policy, freeing up the cash value. At the end of the day, she had a total of 284,000. She sold the real estate. She also had 164,000 bucks in her whole life policy, equaling 284 grand just by buying the house this way. By the way, she also had a $355,000 death benefit. She was in her mid sixties when she did this and we're in the middle of this entire project for her right now. She was thrilled. So guys, there's only 200 financial professionals in the country that have met all the requirements to be called a bank on yourself professional. I did some research here, getting ready for this uh, meeting today. And there are 400,000 life insurance agents in this country. That's one for every 800 Americans. So there are only 200 financial professionals that are bank on yourself credentialed. What is bank on yourself? It is a specific program that insurance agents, CPAs, investment advisors, CFPs like myself go through to get additional training and to be credentialed by Bank on Yourself and Pamela Yellen, who wrote the book, Bank on Yourself Revolution. I found there are a lot of what I'll call beginfluencers out there. Beginfluencers, get it? And just Googled it advisors out there. So don't end up with one of those. Don't end up with the wrong company. I had a guy who called me this morning uh, down in Florida. He's got three indexed universal life policies. He thought he had Bank on Yourself, but they were tied to an index and increasing in insurance cost every single year. This is not that. This is not that. You got to use a non-direct loan. You got to have the right company to work with. You got to make sure that you've got an advisor that knows what he or she is doing. You want to make sure you're working with a professional to get a second opinion, at least on this strategy of bank on yourself. And you want to make sure that the plan, whatever plan it is, is custom tailored to you so that you can use it for your real estate but also for your retirement and your kid's college and all the other, buying your cars. So I'm going to pass the baton back to you, Roger, or any questions that might have popped up. And yeah. I'm not sure if there are any, but um, yeah, we've guys, got some. Okay, cool. And I'll just say once again, guys, if you're open to a quick call, we'd be happy to speak and answer questions. See if this strategy fits for you. Just email hello at lakegrowth.com. And I'll put that in the chat as well. 
All right. I've got a couple of questions and we've got questions from the, some of the people on the call as well. And so let's start off this way. Let's say you put uh, $10,000 into a policy. How much is available to you to borrow year one? Yeah, good question. Depends on your age and how we design the policy. Old fashioned okay. whole life would have been, you know, $0, basically zero. The newer forms, somewhere between 6,500 bucks and 8,500 bucks in the first year. Nice. Okay. That's good. But let's suppose you've been trucking along, putting 10,000 a year into it and you have a banner year. And uh, this year, I think I've got 50,000 I want to put into it. Can we do that? If we've engineered it from the beginning to hold that extra room, then yes, you can. Okay. If you can't, if your buckets are all full, it's time to get another bucket out. Yeah. You can just do another contract, another, another contract. Yes, sir. All right. Let's go to the questions from the group here. Nathan, what are the differences I should be looking for between whole life policies from different providers? Good question, Nathan. Short answer. Head to our podcast. Shameless plug. Uh, not your average financial podcast. Episode 159, the one we just dropped on Friday, gives you 20 questions you can ask about your policy that you're considering, or you can just work with us. And again, so that's the short answer. Nathan, but check that one out. Youngson says, does the policy have a long-term care rider options? Uh, oftentimes, yes. It comes down to what company you're working with and what the specifics are. If you need it for chronic illness or long-term care needs. Wilson says, can dividends be used to pay back the loan as well? Uh, yes, I can. Yeah. You guys, you got some smart people on this call, Roger. Uh, yeah. Thoughtful. So yes, yeah. it does slow down the growth of your policy, but yes, you can do that. And some people do. All right. David Boyd asks, what is the cost to provide this service? Um, there's no fee to have a consultation with us and I'll never send you a bill. David, unless you want me to, I will send you a bill if you really want me to, but uh, the insurance companies usually have an insurance expense baked into whole life insurance, which you see very clearly, it's black and white, exactly what your schedule of expenses are before you sign up for a policy. I wish index funds, mutual funds, heck, I wish my real estate was this clear on when exactly my heater was going to blow and when the <laughs> renter was going to stop paying rent. So at least here, we've got some clarity on what our expenses are and we see it clearly before we sign up for one of these policies. Okay. That's all the questions that we have. Great job, Mark. I know that people are already asking in here for the recording. So thank you very much, Chip. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join the financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.